I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Glad to have you guys here. This is going to be an interesting one. Today, we are talking about the 2014 horror film, Starry Eyes. (laughs) Sarah, get the fuck out of here. You know what's sad? You. All of you. (laughs) A role in Danny's little film. All sad. What's sadder is that you think I want any of it. That I'd sink so low. Right. Why would you have to fuck Danny for a role when you've already fucked some big time movie producer? Ooh. <laughs> Written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and uh, Den- uh, Dennis Widmeyer, excuse me, uh, and starring Alexandra Esso, who uh, you might have seen her in Dr. Sleep and mm-hmm. The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is a great one. I'm sure we will probably get into that at some point. Uh, but yeah, we are talking about this before we talk about and get into all of this, because this was like <clears throat> a trigger for all of our, um, performing artists out there <laughs> yes. for sure. Is there yes. any other trigger warnings that we want to discuss, Jamie? Um, I mean, this definitely features some body horror. And so if that is not, if that makes you uncomfortable or feel ill, um, you know, maybe, uh, avoid this one. There's definitely some gross elements. So unpleasant, very, um, very oh, unpleasant. Yes. And there's also, I would also say, um, a trigger warning for like sexual assaulty kind of vibes, um, for as sure. well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh, before we get all into all of that, cause it's a crazy ride. Literally when it started, I was like, Oh, we're going on a journey. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, what's new in life? What's been happening? Have you watched any new, any new shows, anything? Um, we have been trying to get through the Snyder cut of, um, Justice, the Justice League. League. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's our, it's our, it's our lunch movie. <laughs> okay. So like during our like workday lunch, like we'll take 45 minutes and try to like sneak in a little bit of the Snyder cut. And I mean, that's, that's been working out. I mean, in terms of quality, that's a different story, but in terms of splitting it up during lunch, like perfect. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I could ask so many questions about that, but y'all just let me know when you finish how you felt about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know well, in I, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've seen I've seen the I saw the original movie in theaters, and she did not. So I actually, oh, okay. just don't know if I did or not. Like none of this seems to make sense. But I also know that I I know at some point I saw the first Superman movie, but I'm like I really just have no idea what's going on. I love Wonder Woman. Oh. 
all in on that movie. Everything else, I'm like very confused. Wait, okay. So did you see the 1984? Uh, I did. And I will specify, I love the Wonder Woman movie. That one was great. Got you. (laughs) And I will will, uh, keep my other opinions to myself about 84. Got you, got you, got you, got you. (laughs) I don't know if I said this last time because what is time, but (laughs) I finished... WandaVision, did I ever, do we talk about this at all? I don't know if we did, but okay. what did you, you think of it? Yeah. I enjoyed it. I've been trying to get through all of the Marvel movies. Like I'm a latecomer to the game in the Marvel world. Not like super late, but like I wasn't right there when Iron Man started, you know, mm-hmm. everything. It was, it was kind of like a journey. I was more into like X-Men. And mm-hmm. now that some of the worlds are colliding, I'm like very interested to see where things are going to go. But I really enjoyed WandaVision. I thought I love the little Easter eggs of, of different things. But yeah. How'd y'all feel? Did you like it? Yeah. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know some people had some mixed feelings about it, but I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> no, it was great. It was awesome. And then uh, we just started watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I need to watch that. I haven't even started. It's only, I mean, at the time we're recording this, it's only the first episode is aired. So, oh, okay. You're good. You You're have good. time. All right. Because <laughs> I literally was like, I'm just going to wait until WandaVision is completely done and then just watch it all together. Because all this waiting sure. week to week stuff, like, I'm not, I'm not here for it. I have no patience <laughs> at all for any, any of that stuff. Maybe it's the actor in me. I don't know. I have to see it all in, in once. But uh, oh, speaking, yeah, speaking of the actor no. in you. Ooh, good segue. Speaking of the actor in me. Let's talk about this plot. Jamie, do you mm-hmm. want to describe what was happening in Starry mm-hmm. Eyes? Mm-hmm. I will. I will. I will do my best. I think I say that every time and every time <laughs> I really, I really try. You kill it. Um, thank it. you. Thank yes. you. What's the plot? <laughs> So the plot of Starry Eyes, we start with Sarah, who is an aspiring actress who's waitressing at a restaurant, and all of her friends are are truly terrible. They're all the worst. She takes an audition for this movie called The Silver Scream, which is being produced by this production company, Astraeus Pictures, which like, I guess they allude to it being great in the heyday, and maybe it's kind of, um, you know, not been as prominent as of late. She, in my opinion does a really good audition, but yes. is uh, it, it doesn't seem to be uh, received well by the um, casting director. And so she, like, she is asked to leave. She goes to the bathroom. She has, like, a, a, a fit um, and, like, tries to, like, rip out her hair um, per her, like, normal, like, how she responds when she's, like, frustrated. The casting director's in the bathroom um, when she's having the fit and invites her to essentially do the fit that she had in the bathroom in front of them as like part of her audition, which, which she does. And then, and then she's like, let go again. So it's not really clear. Like, if they if she did what they asked for and then Sarah quits her waitressing job and gets a call back for a second audition she's asked to disrobe and then she um is like being flat I guess there's also like a, a strobe light uh epilepsy yeah. oh too. yes in that sequence um, where she is, it kind of seems like she's going through this like trance in the, in the, in the club um, because of the <laughs> flashing light. <laughs> <In> um, the <laughs> and then um, 
So yeah, so that happens. And then she, she gets a third audition and she's invited to the head producer's house and she is, um, you know, essentially asked to, to sleep with him. And she leaves, uh, leaves the home, runs into her crappy friends. Um, but is still like stewing on her decision to, to not sleep with the producer. And then she, she ends up changing her mind. She goes back to the producer's house. She, she consents to, you know, sleeping with, or she, performs fellatio uh per mm-hmm. wikipedia um and then yes. and then after that she just slowly starts to like completely deteriorate like she looks like crap uh she really needs chapstick her hair is falling out mm-hmm. um like she's vomiting up maggots i was like oh my god when did you eat maggots <laughs> wow she gets a call about like she could either you know give up or she can like really lean into the transformation that she's experiencing and she goes for it. And then she, she goes to see her crappy friends and she ends up murdering all of them. And, and that, that was very satisfying to me. Um, and, (laughs) and then, uh, and then we find out that Astraeus pictures is, um, worshiping Astraeus. They're all hailing him, some demon. Sarah is like buried underground while they're all chanting Hail Astraeus. So weird. And, so weird. And then and then we see her emerge from the ground and she is, you know, completely healthy and normal and beautiful and bald. And she has a gift box and she goes home. She murders her roommate. Yep but I don't fully understand that part. And then she puts on the gift um, that she got from Astraeus Pictures, which is a wig, uh, a gown, and a pentagram necklace. And her eyes are glowing green. And that's the plot. <laughs> which, I, some, some of the things I just did not get, but I'll get into that. Because the minute that you just said green eyes, that reminded me of... Another thing, but we'll get into it. Did you like it? Yay, nay. How do you feel? So what I'll say first is that I have seen this movie before. Okay. And I know that you had not. No. uh, And neither did Brian. Yeah. And so I had seen this movie before based on somebody else's recommendation as this like kind of indie horror film that that happened to be streaming on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, cool, I'll watch it. And I was like kind of met on it the first time, but I... I think that when I watched it, I had started dating Brian and I was like very interested in like the perspective of like actors and actresses, like watching this movie. So Such I've been like, girlfriend. Waiting. <laughs> I've been Such waiting a good girlfriend. to like rewatch it <laughs> yeah. um, to, to like get more of, of that. And um, fiance, she said, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, there's a lot of things that I do really like about this movie. Um, I mean, I really like the actress that plays Sarah. I think she does a really excellent job in this movie. But I'm cur- I'm very, very, very curious about what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts because when I, when the movie, like I said, when the movie first started and she's look, it starts with her looking in the mirror and being dissatisfied with her body. And I'm like, mm-hmm. great, we're just... Z- Coming in, coming in hot with body dysmorphia. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's just like, 
this is going to be all of the basic actor movie tropes, mm. which it was, which brought me to like, okay, well then what's the actual purpose of this movie? Like, what is he trying to say? Yes, we're talking about blind ambition. And as someone who definitely has taken initiative in in their lives to pursue their goals and as someone who has like left stability and quit Mm -hmm. like a job with health insurance to like go sleep on a couch and have nothing like I understand going after what you want and that's where I like am like okay I see what you're saying Jamie like Mm -hmm. hell yeah go after what you want like you only have one life and nothing is stopping you but it was just kind of still the journey of of her because I it seemed to me that even though she made the decision to go back, she was still manip- manipulated mm-hmm. in those moments to kind of go back. And we don't even know what was happening when she went to her initial call back. And that's where all the strobe lighting was happening. And you see mm. glimpses of like the, the men in black. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Will we Smith and Tommy Lee Jones were like hanging <laughs> out there. <laughs> flashing, you know, Will Smith had his song on deck on the playlist. <laughs> And it it was just like, we don't know what was happening in our mind. In that moment, it seemed like the seed was being planted. Mm. So that makes it hard for me to think that it was all her that like went back that last time for the producer because they already kind of did something in her system that was like, okay, I got a little glimpse of some of something. Mm. I need to go and try to like find it. Like my mm-hmm. spirit is trying to find the rest of it, which was really crazy because after that moment happened and she went to that pool party and the girl like busted her note, one of the friends busted their noses open and she oh, was and like she, laughing. Like, <laughs> it's also I was like, like, I feel like that's normal. Like, like, and when I say that before, it sounds <laughs> like I'm an insane therapist person. Like the awkward, like uh, we could probably like try to, or probably have different opinions about like what was going on there. But like, I think that there is something real about like a very uncomfortable, like moment like that, or like, Mm. you know, like the, the schadenfreude, like people finding pleasure in other people's pain and not like a, like happy, like, ha ha ha, but like rather just like a one, I think people find pleasure in like comeuppances. So like, you fell and like, cause you're an asshole, but also I think like the uncomfortable laughter of like when someone falls before like going to help them up kind of thing. Like, I I feel like that is like a a normal reaction to have, but this might be something else. Yeah. Well, no, I totally, that makes sense. My mind didn't even go there (laughs) where my mind went to was like, is this about to be like the omen? Like, does she have like powers and she's about to like, like like, carry, Oh, like killed everybody with their mind. Like they give her something. Like that's where my brain went. And I thought that everybody was just going to like, she was just going to have a glance and people were just going to start blowing up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we're into it, let's talk about her friends and mm-hmm. oh, God, how they contributed to her insecurities. She was, I mean, the trope of the insecure actor. Yes, you do have to have a very thick skin to be in the industry and to be able to uh, get through the, or push through all the rejections because there's going to be, a ton of rejection. Her friends definitely didn't help in an already insecure situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) that she was in. And the fact that they, you had the one friend that's always like, 
Um, oh, you didn't get the part. Oh, well, oh, I got your part. Oh, well, you mm-hmm. know what? It wasn't even that great anyway. Like you should be happy you didn't get it. And it was mm-hmm. just like, maybe I should submit my headshot. Right. He's like, oh, you didn't get a callback. Maybe I should submit my headshot. And it's like, <laughs> I want to say that I have not personally had friends, quote unquote friends like that, but mm-hmm. I know people give off that energy um so I will accept that actor trope uh but I definitely understand uh the the little bit of satisfaction you felt Jamie when uh, mm-hmm. the main character Sarah ends up like killing all of them because they were real jerks to, mm-hmm. to her like not even asking you know is she okay or checking in with her they were just kind of like all about the business and it is in the actor world your actor friends, and I'll speak from my own experiences. So you guys don't yell at me. <laughs> this is my <laughs> experience. When I'm with other actor friends, there is a tendency to only be about work and mm. talk about work and talk about your auditions, what you did get, what you didn't get, or, oh yeah, I, I went in for this. You should totally go in for this too. Like blah, 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 blah. But it can be detrimental. It's just like, you still have to kind of like live your life. And I feel like that's not what Sarah was doing, which kind of contributed to her blind ambition because Mm -hmm. she wasn't really having a life outside. And I know she's trying to like break into the business, you know, but you also have to like be a young adult and balance. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it's like even, it's like push even further when she, quits her job before she gets the call back because she's like, so she's putting so much stock in how it went. Um, which is like, I like for me, just like scary because she, she's not, yeah. It's like putting all of your eggs in one basket is just like a very scary idea and like not having anything else to, to fall back on. Even like the other project that was like, kind of happening at the same time with the friends like they were working on something and and I guess like had been asked to to do it whether it was like like it was not really clear to me kind of like where that fit in of like are they just like trying to do something on their own and like it's like a lower stakes kind of thing or like is this going to be presented to like something bigger not clear but like either way it's it at least seemed as douchey as the friends were like they were having fun and so like the idea of at least like doing something where it's like you can still like practice and utilize your craft and your mm-hmm. skills, but also like it doesn't have to be so like intense, high stakes all the time. And right. and like like that more of that balance. And like she just but I also think she just like didn't like them and like probably yes. needed <laughs> a better support system to actually like do more things that she would have enjoyed but like yeah everything revolved around just just this yeah for sure no so it's definitely two part of like she needed more better friends (laughs) and but she also needed to kind of like not just live her life and I say this now as on this side of the pandemic, because that's (laughs) definitely what this pandemic has taught me in particular Mm. is like, you know, the industry is, may not last forever for you. And you have to figure out other things that can also give you joy and make you happy because the industry Mm -hmm. is so fickle. So like, if you would have, if we would have had this conversation 
pre-pandemic, I probably would have felt differently sure. about all in about blind ambition, but it's kind of like, no, you really do have to um, figure out, uh, you know, things, other things that will give you joy and also be around people that'll give you joy. Not her shitty friends that she had because they were truly, truly the worst, just the worst. But yeah, I think it's just like an overall like work-life balance, Mm -hmm. trying to achieve that as much as possible. And like, even speaking on like the pandemic, like the challenges of that, when, when you are quarantining at home, maybe even like working from home Mm -hmm. and like the line between work and life is like way more blurred. And And I think that that's something that a lot of people have been having a hard time with. And so like, I think again, like bigger picture, the importance of, of trying as much as possible to like, you know, like, like the, the saying, like work hard, play hard, like Mm -hmm. having some kind of balance as much as possible, because like, otherwise it's, it's going to get to you in a lot of different, like less healthy and like more hurtful ways. Yeah. Well, speaking of hurtful ways, great transition. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about the self harm and Mm -hmm. another thing that contributed to everything that was going on in her journey of, of being an actress. I wanted to ask if you had some insight on like what different mental health issues could someone be suffering from in order to uh, want to do self-harm? Yeah. And that's like, no, it does. Um, And I would say like, it's like the answer is it's complicated because um, like there's a lot of things, I guess like my perspective is, um, and this, this might be like a weird thing to say, but like in certain circumstances, like, like we find coping skills and strategies that like in certain circumstances are more adaptive. And then sometimes they're less adaptive and it depends Mm -hmm. on like the context. Um, you know, we, and like it, it can like run the gamut of what that looks like. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I'm not going to like talk more specifically about like, you know, self-harm type right. stuff, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do think that like for her in particular, there was definitely like a challenge of, of not being able to like tolerate frustration, I think. And like mm-hmm. the situations that we saw her do it in the beginning of the movie before like the transformation stuff seems more like both a, a like low frustration tolerance and like just like getting this like rush of emotions that she needed to have some kind of release for that she just like didn't have a more adaptive way of of finding of that release that, yeah mm-hmm. um but also I think there was an element of like self-punishment and like mm. self-punishment for like not doing well self-punishment for like that audition didn't go as well as I would have liked and like like this, these are, this is the consequence of that. Um, like she alluded to like, you know, I've, I've just like done this since I was a kid, um, which also makes sense because like, think about like a temper tantrum, you know, like, like think about it. Like I'm sure like we can, we can assume, you know, based on the information we have is like, maybe, maybe she experienced like something as a kid. And like, that was the only way that she could express her like emotions when Makes she sense. like felt that way and that became her way of like dealing with it and mm-hmm. so like to us we're just like oh my god but like for her like it felt normal and adaptive but like again it's like it depends on the context so I think it's I think it's like kind of fits both of those um 
things of like, you know, that was, that was her way of like managing her very strong emotions. And then also that was her way of like punishing herself when, when she wasn't, when her expectations for herself were not met. Yeah. Uh, so I do in staying on this, uh, subject line, I do want to talk about, she had an anxiety dream, Mm. uh, of where she was doing terrible in her audition and, Mm -hmm. Uh, blood was coming from her skull, I guess, as representing her like pulling out her hair and stuff. And um, there was also a moment where she was looking at her script and the words were getting jumbled up. And then there was, that was so where, effective. It was so effective. And the words that was like, one of my favorite away. parts of the movie, like <laughs> mm-hmm. that whole yes. sequence where like she'd look down at the paper and then like her highlighted lines would be missing words. And yes. then she'd look down again. And like the way that the movie just showed like her inability to, I know it was a dream, but like even if she was, that was a real situation, that way of showing her inability to be able to focus in that moment, like yeah. Jamie said, was so effective and it really worked for me. No, it was very powerful. And like, because at first you're like, is it a dream or is it really just like, what's happened, what, what is she's actually seeing in the moment, you know, in mm-hmm. real time, because you definitely have moments like that. I mean, where you're in the room, the pressure is on, you know, whoever's behind the table, whatever the, the circumstances and the words can just go away from you. I mean, like we talk about this a lot, uh, in Hamilton and I'm sure other places, but like get going into the white room and that's where everything leaves you. Like you can be on stage in the moment and all the lines are gone. Like you don't know what you're saying next. Like you don't know what is happening. And that's happened to like all of us. And we're just like, yep, we just got into the white room. And mm-hmm. then we just don't, everything was just gone. And I, I thought that was like a great visual representation of that because she definitely like didn't know what to do, didn't know how to, to know how to handle it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, do, does something cause like these anxiety dreams or is it just like, your adrenaline, you're so nervous about like your audition or something that's going to happen that your brain just kind of like goes to the worst thing. I don't know. Is there something mm-hmm. that happens? I mean, to, like, yeah, I love, I love talking about dreams because I find them yes. fascinating. I, so I like self-disclosure, um, <laughs> I suffer from like chronic nightmares. So I find dreams very fascinating. Wow. And so I remember like all of my dreams, like 95% of the time and, and like, some of them, like most of them aren't like scary, like murdery dreams. Like they're all anxiety based. Like everything I dream about is all anxiety. So like, really, I think it's just like stress and like the stress of the audition going well, like manifesting in dream form. Like I, like a week ago, I had a nightmare that I like forgot to do my finals for school. Meanwhile, like I haven't been in school since like 2013. So I I'm like, I don't know what is happening that like, that's where my brain went and like needed to process that. But yeah, like stress takes your, takes your brain to like crazy places. And like, especially when there's like unresolved stuff, like I think a lot of, and I'm not like a super like Freudy therapist by any (laughs) means but I definitely like you know see some stock and like your brain's trying to like work through stuff that like you didn't have the ability to work through during the day it's like oh I'm I'm like in a spotlight like all of these things that Mm -hmm. like you have been you know keeping under the surface and like now it's time to to showcase them all so like get ready that's (laughs) so interesting to think 
because I love dreams too, mm-hmm. like just analyzing and, and all the things, but that's so interesting that you say it's because you're, you didn't have time to kind of go through something or like process something. So in your dreams, your brain was just like, we're just going to figure this out, you know, while you're sleeping. Um, but I definitely had a dream recently, probably like two days ago of uh, being in Hamilton, back in Hamilton and the music started and I was not ready at all. I was not dressed. Mm. I didn't have my mic on. I didn't have, you know, my heads, I mean, my hair or whatever. And I'm sure we've all like had some form of that dream of like missing an entrance or like mm-hmm. not being where we need to be at the right place at the right time. But it's also like, I haven't been in Hamilton for a year, <laughs> you know, like I haven't had to think about anything, but it's like, is this a sign that we're going to be back sooner than later? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's hope that's, so. That's what I hope. Although I hope that my dream doesn't mean that like somehow I'm back in school. I, I don't want that for myself. Like, guess what? You're getting another degree, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Steiner sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, keep all the things, do all the things. Women rule the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that, let's just talk, I guess, a little bit about, well, not a little bit, a lot about, let's get into the gore at the end, Mm -hmm. because that was, the movie really took a turn. I wasn't expecting with how everything was being built up, because Mm -hmm. it was so modest in, in what they were showing, what they weren't showing, because there was a quote unquote, nudity scene in the audition, but you know, it was, they didn't show anything, you know, to the audience. And then you get, I'm looking at the clock, and it's like, 20 minutes left in the movie and she's going on a killing spree and it's just like where are we going what is what is happening Mm -hmm. like I understand why in her mind she's targeting these friends because they're really not friends and they were terrible people but like do you think that it was just her that said I'm gonna kill friends or was it also like the voices or they were just like we just need a sacrifice so whoever you want to kill you know Mm -hmm. you can kill like little shop of horrors like we just need blood so whoever it is we don't care Mm -hmm. you know I don't know what do you think um I mean I think it was intentional that it was her friends because I think one of the things I can't remember when it happened if it was like in the voices or in the actual like conversation about the transformation with the producer that Mm -hmm. like there was something explicitly said about, you know, in order for her to, to like achieve stardom and success that she would have to like, like leave behind all aspects of her life, including her, her friendships and relationships that she had like before the transformation. And so like, I think that they just took that very literally and, and like had her, you know, play out like murdering all of them as like the, like, this is me actually like completely moving away from the life that I had before. Right. And so that means eliminating like all the things. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, tell me, tell me your favorite, your favorite kill scene. (laughs) What was the most satisfying Mm -hmm. for the both of you? I don't know. The one that like, that really got me that was the most squeamish to me was the, the gym weight to the face. Same. Like, Oh man, it was just like, and then like the, you know, interjections of the pictures of the crushed skull was like, Oh, (laughs) like a lot. It was, it was a lot. And then I like, because the other, like as much as the other girl was 
like the worst, like, Mm -hmm. man, that other girl, like really, she got, she got murdered three times. She got cut in the face. And I was like, Oh, like, yes. Like at first you're like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, that might like negatively impact your career. And then it's like, Oh, she stabbed her. Like, okay, she's dead. But I was like, wait, no, she's not dead. Just kidding. Now we're going to suffocate her and just like make this as like painful as possible. Which a comment on that, because what I did love, and this is so terrible, (laughs) I did love about her getting murdered Mm -hmm. uh, for the third time. (laughs) The fact that in the music, as she was like slowly fading and dying, the tempo of the music slowed down and it was kind of like a representation of like your heart slowing down and then eventually stopping. Mm. And then when the music stopped, like she was completely dead. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, that was effective. (laughs) Very much so. But yeah, Brian, what, what about you? So that one was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, the fr- the the friend in the kitchen dying three times mm-hmm. but because it was so complicated emotionally because you as an audience member hate her she was very rude to her the whole movie she's a very clearly very insecure actress i mean that's what you're supposed to take from it and then what i found fascinating about that sequence is that you go into it already hating her and hoping that she does something bad to her because like she's like one of the villains of the movie if you will yes mm-hmm. and then when she sees her in the light And then she's like, oh, my God, let's get you to a hospital. There's that moment of just like she's a monster person, but like she's a human being. She cares Mm -hmm. like she doesn't want Sarah to like she's she's not just like good. Now you're ugly and I can get all the roles like she was generally concerned. And then she starts and she swipes her in the face and like that. That kind of emotional juxtaposition there was Mm -hmm. like I really dug that. And then she just like she just got all the murders. All the, all the, all the murders Mm -hmm. and just like the sticky blood again, back to the weights, because Mm. when the blood was like sticking from her face to the weights, when she pulled it back up, Mm -hmm. it was beautiful cinematography. I will say so (laughs) disgusting, but beautiful. Mm -hmm. Also on the just disgusting things in general. And I guess we'll talk about that too, when we talk about like shakes, but something that will not leave me is when she was first pulling out her hair and that like, like sound sound effect. Mm -hmm. Cause Mm -hmm. it kind of sounded like she was cracking her neck. Yeah. But it was just something that every time it happened, it's like a rip. Yeah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. like the sound was magnified. Like my scalp hurt. (laughs) It literally made my skin crawl even more than when she actually took her fingernail off and you know oh that's the one yeah not not a fan of uh rem- self removing of fingernails that that's really like gross for me it was ooh, i don't know but uh i did have a question also for you guys of as far as um things that didn't make sense in the movie for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. why do you think there was so many references to like old hollywood so like she had all the pictures of all of the older actresses from like the 40s and 50s, like in her room, even in, like if you saw on her phone, like her screensaver was one of the actresses. And sure. then the I guess maybe the industry, uh, the production company, because they were like good back in the day in their heyday, but like not as much now. But I was just kind of like, well, why is it? old Hollywood like was there something <laughs> that I missed about like old Hollywood like being cultish so, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to answer that one yeah yeah um I think a couple things one I think the whole wall and her wallpaper on her 
phone and the wall in her room. Mm-hmm. I think that was just to set up character that like this is all she thinks about. This is all she wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. I also think that like um the production company, you know, like the idea that like this has been happening for years on years and years. So like her obsession with like old school Hollywood. Also, you may be that old school Hollywood or or the elite in Hollywood is a cult that you need to like get into, whether that's symbolic or not. Yeah. Um, but I I think it was most and also you know, she's transforming into this kind of like hierarchy of beauty. Like, and, and the idea that like symbolically has to murder her. T- so they mentioned that she has no family in this. So yeah. she's already like a prime example of like what they want because mm. she has no ties familial, whether they're real or not, whether like they're actually dead or she just like moved to Hollywood from Iowa and like her parents said no, but she did it anyway. Yeah. Like that type of thing. <laughs> Um, so I think that, that, that aspect of things as well. And like murdering her friends, like, like that allowed, like, I feel like when, when you're, when friends get super famous, Mm -hmm. like there's like a point where like, you just can't relate to them anymore. Or Mm -hmm. you, you like, this is not from personal experience, but like, I feel like you hear stories all the time where like, you know, little Frankie from down the street gets uber famous and just like, there's like a gap between them and like, and like, they don't pay attention to you anymore. And and like, even though like you had a real, not like, Oh, I I knew his brother's brother, you know, I knew his brother's sis, you know, whatever, as opposed to like, I actually knew him. We hung out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those are aspects of, that that's what that's what I took from it. Okay, and you know it was interesting. I mean, Jamie said this earlier when she mentioned the when her eyes turned green at the end, and her whole look is kind of like old Hollywood with her hair and and how mm-hmm. she's dressed. Mm-hmm. But when you said that, Jamie, it reminded me of like oh, the Great Gatsby with like the big green eye. Wasn't that a green eye? And then it's like that was uh, in kind of like old Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, so the Great Gatsby, you have the light at the other side of the harbor that mm-hmm. um, that Gatsby sees all the time. Yeah, I forget if Doctor T.J. Eccles or whatever his name is, yeah. in that with the um, with the eyes on the billboard that you're talking about, and mm-hmm. then maybe she had green eyes. I don't remember, but I do know that the green light on the other side of the harbor, and like, I I'm mean, smashing I, the two up. <laughs> no, that's okay. But like, I don't know. I, Green also, so I'll also say this, and this relates back to that. Green is very unique for an eye color. And there's that line where she yells at the tater tots guy, like, <laughs> I am not one of a million girls or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that like the green eyes popping and I don't know if a lot of starlets of that era, like the, the 20s, 30s, 40s, like the, the like, you know, the, the, those like golden age of Hollywood years, if you will, like when color movies started to come out, I'm not sure if they started to color their eyes green or I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if like, Mm -hmm. like that, I'm just guessing based on like what those things could be. And like maybe more famous people had green eyes because they were so rare. But um, I think that's just one thing that indicates the fact that she's like not one in a million because I think she is one in a million. I think that she, I think her auditions were good, but never good enough. And whether that's because she's one in a million or she's just like not what they were looking for in that moment or whatever the case is. Like she is one in a million, especially uh, like at that age in that city auditioning for those things. Like, you know, the green eyes are just one way that she could also like stand out while also reflecting the fact that like she's got cult eyes now. Such cult eyes. And 
<laughs> how green were, how obnoxiously green those cold ties uh, were. Um, but yeah, now that we're on that, do you have any trivia about this, uh, Brian, about this movie? I mean, I only have three things. You As you mentioned before, she's... Um, Alex Esso is also in Bly Manor. She plays the two kids' um, mother in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that, spoiler alert, um, you know, may have been frisky with the uncle. Um, yeah. And then she's also in, as you mentioned, Dr. Sleep. And she was cast to play Wendy Torrance, which is, you know, they basically recast um, the Shelley Duvall role for those flashback sequences and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So she, and she's in major motion pictures and TV shows and flashbacks, but this movie actually started. Uh, the only other big piece is, is that uh, it started as a Kickstarter. So this was okay. um, as it started as a Kickstarter movie. And then it got, you know, produced uh, I think <clears throat> the, the first round of funding was Kickstarter. And then producers kind of picked it up from there. Okay. I, I have a question for you too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that Alex Esso, the actress made a not that fun character to watch more enjoyable and engaging. I think that the Sarah character was like, you kind of touched on it before is like this one track mind was just like, she also presented as a type a character, but then you look at her room and stuff and she like feels very the opposite of that. Um, So that was very interesting. Also like this is going to sound crazy, but I also felt like, she wasn't trying that hard. And maybe the movie doesn't like present that. Like she kind of like is in this dead end. And maybe it all has to do with like insecurities in herself, which like Mm -hmm. literally is the first opening scene where she's like, as you mentioned, very beginning of this podcast, she's like looking in the mirror at herself. Um, Yeah. Because she works at Tater Tots. She so the movie sets up the fact that she lives in this <laughs> she lives in this male dominated world. So yes. like Danny, the in her group of friends, Danny has all the power because he's the director. Then there's um her boss at Tater Tots, um, who's like a gross person. And then there's gross. all the other there's all the other people at Tater Tots, all these like the the workers who like Yep. You, like you're not sure if they're oogling her or if they're just like disgusted by the owner of Tater Tots, mm-hmm. which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's the producer. Um, but they set all of that up and she's like, she's very beaten down by that world. You obviously, they set that up. But the point that I'm got trying to get to is like, she says that she goes to all these classes and stuff like that. And like, she puts all of her energy into that. But like, she's always like a mope. She's always, um, <laughs> she doesn't, but like you mentioned, she doesn't try to find friends. She doesn't have a life. She, she relies on her, her roommate's friends. And mm-hmm. she like gets all like defensive about the fact that these aren't my friends, but like she, it clearly she's never made any effort outside of like trying to go to these auditions. And to be honest, like her auditions were not, I, I was not impressed by her auditions, but like, I don't think she was bad. But so like mm-hmm. I, I was just very confused or maybe maybe I'm explaining how it's supposed to come off in terms of like she's kind of a mess yes. of a person, even though she has this ambition. She doesn't have everything behind it to achieve that ambition. She has no personality. And that's what the movies are looking for, individual personalities. And yeah. like and then by becoming part of this cult, she like her personality becomes like beautiful, you know, <laughs> even though she was beautiful the whole movie, like. 
uh, and maybe that's the point of all of this. And maybe I'm explaining why I liked the movie or why yeah. I'm beginning to like it more than after when we watched it. But I don't know. I just rambled. What are your thoughts on that? Having watched it. <laughs> Jamie just can't get over tater tots. That's <laughs> hey, I'm, I can't, I can't stop laughing at the name of tater tots. I and, think and then that's... his, his whole thing about like, I put so much work into the tot culture and like <laughs> all of the things that he's done. I'm what just a... like, wait, if, if they, if this was a, a separate movie, I would also watch like the tater tot story. Absolutely. Look, I think that restaurants are gross. <laughs> So restaurants, restaurants. <laughs> that's a re- that's a real thing. Like, um, there's there's Hooters, there's Tilted Kilt, there's um, oh something Mountain something. Uh, I'll look it up. Um, but like there are a lot there's these restaurants and mm-hmm. um and the one thing I love about restaurants is the punny names. But like everything else about them is Gosh. gross. But like like oh what's the other one? Let me look it up. I forget. Yeah, what it there's because I there is another one that my friend used to Twin work Peaks. at. Twin Peaks. That's oh. it. Wait, there's so many of them according to Wikipedia. Wait, did you look up breast? Or, what what other? Breast I looked up breast. There's Redneck Heaven. There's <laughs> there's Tilted Kilt, Twin Peaks, Bombshells, Bone Daddies, Ojos Locos, Chulas, Bikinis. They're not oh. even trying to be clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Racks, show me's, mugs and jugs. I can't stand it. That's okay. That's wild. I didn't even know that there were so many empties. Casual restaurant sector. (laughs) That's fine. Yes. Uh, But to get back to your question, Brian. I uh, I think that what you're saying is the point of the movie, which why she is a high target to be so malleable for this production company, because she has no personality and she's trying so hard to get approval and validation from from other people and just trying to to make it. I think that's uh, like you said, why she is a high a high target. So she. I mean, her, her audition was like good. It, like you said, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. bad, but it didn't stand out. And when you're in a room with people who look just like you, you have to have something that makes you stand out. Or it could also be, like you said, n- you know, not the right place, not the right time situation, you know, but anyway, what were we going to say? Oh, I had another question for you, yeah. um, which was, and I talked to Jamie about this after, or in the middle of when we were watching it. With all these things out there like American Idol and like all these mm-hmm. things that try and make the audition experience seem like the table is out to get you. So a lot of these TV shows make it may, – there's maybe – like maybe a couple don't. But most of them are just like like uh, that's not going to do it for me, dog, or like things yes. like that. And it really – and with Simon <laughs> Cowell type character, like it really makes no it dog. seem like auditioning <laughs> is like – a super negative experience. And it can be depending on how you frame it and what your narrative is going in. But like, I would say most of the time when you go into an audition room, they are super friendly. They want you to be the one they're going to find. Yes, exactly. And so do you think that this movie would have benefited from a po- from showing a positive audition experience where she where she just was fine and then contrasting the weird one cuz they they do a good job of making sure that you know that this one is weird and not exactly right. what she's used to. But do you think the movie would have benefited from a little bit more like setting the scene of what auditioning in LA is like on a normal basis, or you think this did the job? I think this did the job because all of it 
was like stupid actor tropes anyway. So to have something that was sincere would have been like off kilter to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because, and I have like a whole, I wrote a whole list of things. And I was going to like <laughs> ask you, Brian, like what Read you them. thought about. So like an actor trope, the waitressing job. Okay, yes, I had a waitressing job. Great. Me too. Okay, cool. But check. they're always in the movie. So check for that one. Yes. <laughs> do any Do anything for a job? Like, Absolutely not. There, there are certain things or certain things that are called for in auditions that I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to go. If something says partial nudity, I'm not going to do it. You know, like she took her clothes off so fast after so quitting fast. her restaurant job. Like, exactly. The, her ethics in those situations was fast. But I also think that like, that's very much the character, but that was fascinating to me that literally the scene before that, she was like, I am going to do my priorities. And my priority is to audition for this, to, to focus on my acting. She's yes. like, I'm not going to wear these tight things anymore. Immediately goes and takes her clothes off for a camera. Exactly. But that was that blind ambition mentality. I was like, I'll do it for it to get a job, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it to do have this like survival job situation. Like that doesn't make sense. Uh, waiting by the phone. Yes. Always, always have the phone waiting for somebody to call online submissions. Always all the time. Uh, asking to do a scene again in the room. Have you done that, Brian? Uh, yeah, I've done that before. Okay. I haven't had the guts to be like, I can do it again for you. So oh, I commend people. Oh, oh, sorry. Her asking to do it yes, again? Oh, hell no. No, okay. no. no, 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 Okay. Unless, I, <laughs> for someone who didn't seem very secure, like she like, she, we came to fight in that audition room. Yes. And now circling back to what you said, I put Dick casting directors and producers. Like I have been in rooms with casting directors who have been kind of like monotone, but they've never been like, you know, completely closed off and or being like rude in a sense or being like what that guy say, he was like, uh, don't tell us, Sarah, show us. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, you're being a douche right now. Like, just let her do her audition and stop. Like, she's just trying to make the room like comfortable and like show her personality. Cause that's the only way you can show your personality in the audition is when you're walking into the room and you had that little bit of like a hello exchange before you actually have to like do your thing, you know? Um, but I've, I've never, so I've never experienced like casting directors being completely flat out rude, Brian. <laughs> no, uh, competitive friends. I mean, Again, quote unquote friends, but you have those like actors that you associate with, like totally, yeah, that are definitely competitive and will, you know, kind of will always be trying to like get the tea on what's happening, or like, did you know that this person did this, or like <clears throat> they're in the room for this, and blah blah blah, blah and you're just like, I don't care, I just want to do my audition. <laughs> but you're you're also right. There are friends who all they care and talk about is the audition scene and what they're doing and what's coming out. Yes. They cannot take a breath and be like, oh, like I went on a nice walk today. And right. like when you know, like there are people who just like or like won't but I, I do think that the 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 pandemic has definitely changed that. But like for I mean, sure. at least for right now, I'm sure once everything starts up again, everyone's gonna be like, Did you go on backstage today? Did you see this and this and this and this? You're like Exactly. Instead of saying, Oh, I went to this nice restaurant today and it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. The wings at Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, oh, going into a room full of people who look exactly like you, I've definitely been in in that situation. And mm-hmm. I've also been in situations where I'm like, oh, I'm the wild card because nobody looks like me in this. So <laughs> let's see, let's see also, how this is going to go. 
You know what would have been a nice touch if this movie did, but they obviously didn't? Because you're a certain type, Caucasian <laughs> or black or or whatever your race may be, how, whatever you look like, whatever your height may be, whatever your weight mm-hmm. may be. Like You're always going to be in a room with people who look exactly like you because that's what the right. part calls for. However, you usually know those people because you make friends with them because you see every them at audition. every audition. Yes. So if she's going to all of these auditions over and over again, she would know every single woman in the room and like everyone was like reading their lines yeah, and yeah. whatnot like outside of the room like, person, like i think a more realistic too that was my next <laughs> yeah, thing running away crying <laughs> but i i do think that a more realistic depiction of that to show her isolation how she's just like one track mind mm-hmm. is all the other girls like being like oh my god it's so good to see you again and yeah. like her just like being in the corner like only focusing on the page mm-hmm. but like I, I I think this was trying to set a tone and it did that very, very well. I agree with that because also with she's saying I took all these classes, like usually you're also in the classes with the people totally. you're auditioning mm. for. So hundred like, percent. She can make friends. She was just being mopey gloomy. Uh <laughs> but literally my next mopey thing is crying. Sarah. Mopey Sarah. Uh <laughs> crying after auditions. I don't think I have cried in the building at the audition. Maybe at home, but like never in the building. But I will say I had a moment where I went to the bathroom and one of the casting directors was in the bathroom too. And then when we both came out to wash our hands, she was asking me like, what are your available dates? Do you know, are you still in such and such a blah, blah, blah? And was like trying to like kind of tell me like, you're probably going to get a call back if you're available for this or not. Like Mm -hmm. I've had that exchange before, Mm -hmm. which is. Oh, you didn't have a creepy woman? Uh, (laughs) Can you have your fit again, please, for Oh, I just read she was in Paranormal Activity 3 as creepy woman. (laughs) No way. Oh, the other thing was just um, boop, 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 boop. Readers that give you nothing in the room. (laughs) Because that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a weirdo. He was very weird anyway. Like everything about him was, (laughs) he was, he was very strange. And the last one was just like, the, usually they are, at least when you're in the callback process, they're going to they gonna record the auditions. Because she was like, I didn't know this was recorded or blah, blah, blah. I was like, mm. that was crazy. Yeah. What? <laughs> I do not know. Of course it was. Also, there was a camera in the room and there was a flash. Exactly. What are you talking about? Right. That was weird. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's Wait, it. you didn't was- name, uh, did anybody, was anyone never wearing pentagram necklaces at oh. your oh, auditions? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you like completely like transformed and like all of your like uh, things on your body fell off and then reformed? No, but I've had a couple people who had some different noses. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, what I will say is that I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but a little bit of this also felt like um, Scientology in terms of like the Church of Scientology will like make you a star if you give everything to them. You know, mm-hmm. and, like that type of thing. Like, oh, that, like that's a whole nother thing we could talk about, but similar to like the the hierarchy of Hollywood cold vibes, things like that. <clears throat> but yeah, what I, do, what I did want to ask both of you is the most important question from this movie. Oh, God. Would you take a pill if the guy giving it to you wouldn't answer your question of what is this? First off, they weren't my friends anyway. So mm-hmm. why would I take drugs from them? Number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And number two, if all you're going to tell me is that I'm going to have the best time of my life, then I'll just be like, I'll just get some more vodka and I'll have the best time of my life. I'm going to pill. I don't know what you're talking about. So absolutely not. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, she also made the decision to go back on drugs. Mm-hmm. That was something was- I was thinking about too. Like, did she always want to make the decision, but like felt, see, oh, you didn't let me answer this question, but I, as the non-actor, oh, <laughs> thought that she did a really good audition. And I felt like there was something about like her being very ambitious, but maybe, I don't know if I would say she's mopey, but like there was something, like something getting in the way of her, like being her, the best version of herself, whether it was like herself And like, some of this is like, if you transform, then you will be the best version of yourself. Or if it was like the external things. And so like, I, I don't know if I feel like it was her being mopey, but maybe just like the whole experience and like, like, you know, not handling rejection well, which like, again, like maybe you should consider other options for yourself, but Mm -hmm. like. I think that I I thought that she did a really good audition even before she rips her hair out and like just you know there there's also like a ton of people and like being able to like have the opportunities or or like you know the other really excellent person like gets it right before you I don't know what I'm making up things but like I don't know I I felt like she was good and like certainly all the other stuff I think applies like she just doesn't have good like coping skills doesn't have a good friend group like no supports like very alone and isolated but like could like some of that could be ambition some of that could be just like this this like like she seems shy like she just seems very like introverted to me mm-hmm. and like not like not the overly like like you know, very like friendly extroverted type personality. And I don't know if that was like another reason why she acted the way she did or like she hurt herself the way she did because like she didn't think she was good enough, but like was also ambitious. Yeah. So that's my hot take (laughs) that I I was robbed. I got mansplained out of getting to answer. No, Never mansplain. Just work at tater tots. You'll have all the ears of everybody. Mm. That'll be great. That's why we call the little kids little toddies. And oh, that and that whole scene it was so funny. It makes me want a hot toddy. Do you think yes. they make hot toddies? As they should. I, I think that's, that's what that she, would be that's great. what he probably calls the weight step. Hot toddies. Mm. I can't. Um, <laughs> put them. Yes. You can put in that sound effect, please. no but I I understand what you're saying like because I definitely am not an extrovert so I can understand like her being standoffish and and being just focused on her goals but it was still just too much of a shift I mean that's Mm -hmm. what the the purpose of the movie is like it's Mm -hmm. a very extreme point of view for sure Mm -hmm. um but yeah her her not I don't know her just not even saying like hi to the people in the like at the auditions and or like outside the room you know mm-hmm. it was it, it didn't uh I'll take her friends aside I was gonna say she didn't even like seem like she was invested in her friends but her friends were jerks so I take that statement back I retract yeah. that they're all they, they're all dead they're dead oh, to her they're they're dead to us <laughs> Jamie, before we do Rotten Tomatoes did you want to talk about the death of the friend at the very end the roommate oh yeah that thing that made no sense to me how did she die like how how did she how did she die she just like kissed vomited blood in her mouth and that killed her see because I thought 
it was weird because I was like, is she sucking blood out of her or is the blood going in? Like I, I also did <clears throat> not understand that, but I think in my brain, I just sat it as, uh, she was sucking blood out from her and that's how she died. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Weird. That was my only question. Like I don't actually understand how the roommate gets killed. And that's actually the only part that I felt sad. Um, yes. Because I do like, I do think that they position the roommate to actually be the kindest to her. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, um, but I guess there's something that's like, and maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's intentional because like, you know, she still had to like completely reject all of her past life, including her friends, which included her roommate, despite her roommate being kind to her this whole time and including mm-hmm. her in things. And so maybe it was intentional that like her roommate doesn't have this like very gory, violent death because, because, you know, her roommate wasn't the worst of all of the douchey people, but she still had to die in order to complete this transformation. Like it was inclusive of anyone who is kind or anything to her. So maybe just like this unresolved way of death that her roommate experienced, like is just like the kinder way that she had to die, but she still had to die. Yeah. I would just like to point out that my watch told me that, Jamie just closed all three activity rings. And I think it was from her talking with her hands. Yes. I'm really working up a sweat, um, but I did achieve my goal. So um, yeah, I rock. Says. What can I say? Congratulations. I'm, I'm, that, I'm that fit. Yes. One last question too about the end. Do you guys... Or I just, what is your opinion about it? Well, I can't say words today. When she transforms at the end and she's fully into her whatevers, Mm -hmm. do you think that she has to still keep killing people to like stay famous or like Mm. sacrifice people? Or do you think like, that's it? She's a part of the cult, like, and she's good for life. Um... I think she's good for life. I imagine that it's like on the flip side of like when the cult was all saying like, hail Astraeus, hail Astraeus. And it was like, Wait, what they we weren't. It's <laughs> <laughs> a one time only. Uh, that was my yeah. acting experience. Um, but when they were doing that, like they weren't murdering her. Like they weren't doing like she was experiencing this transformation, which like, I guess you can argue they may or may not have caused, but I think the idea is like, they've already commit themselves to Astraeus. Like she consented. She said yes at the time that she like decided to, you know, have sexy time with the producer. And, and so like at that point, she's like also, you know, agreeing to, really worship this this demon guy um mr astraeus or mrs we don't really know um yes. so no i don't think that she has to murder anymore okay. i imagine that she becomes like one of those cultists that's like part of the the chanting right okay in the future or maybe she's one of the men in black um people that were Ooh. wearing the masks yeah okay just bounce with it just bounce with it okay <laughs> Can you just put Men in Black in the background? <laughs> Me. Uh, the man in black. Yes. 
Beautiful. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted to know because I was like, mm, they didn't say. Also, is she immortal? I don't know. Maybe not. She, mm. I would say she has to do some grunt work because she's newly transformed. She mm. might have to like carry like all the candles to the older people. <laughs> but like, <laughs> maybe she's the one who lights all of them. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fire. When the roommate walked in, he was like, this is a fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most relatable moment. <laughs> Ooh, uh, it's like if you only knew what was going on and then you died cool. oh well mm-hmm. should we do uh rotten tomatoes what do you think the rotten tomato score is for starry eyes i'm gonna say 65. I'm going to make it low. Ooh. Jamie? I was going to say, I was going to say 54. Mm. Well, you both underestimated this film. It oh, has gosh. A seven, it has a 74. It's oh. fresh. Oh. That's, that's fresh. That's that fresh, is- baby. <laughs> uh, yes. Starry eyes. <laughs> Starry Eyes pokes Hollywood's seedy underbelly to produce a refreshingly original horror story led by a breakout performance from Alex Esso. Well, she did a great job. And as like, even if we have conflicting views of her audition in the movie, her in the movie in general. Oh, she was wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She really poked that underbelly. Okay. (laughs) Who wrote that? Seated underbelly. The critics. It's a critics consensus. Um, Uh, but yeah, let's talk about our four S's. Yes. <laughs> I have to keep putting a snake sound effect. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> so we have the four S's. The four S's are um, skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, let's start with skulls. Again, skulls is kind of how you think they portrayed or effectively used um, uh, mental health uh, within the context of the story they're telling. So let's start with Jamie. I will give it a. <laughs> My like lip is quivering. I don't know. I guess uh, maybe like a six. I think it's a really interesting demonstration of like just how she's not able to cope how she cannot like manage her emotions and like how she's how she has like very low self-esteem and and um like a lot of self-criticism and like you see it a lot you see it really exclusively in the beginning part of the film and I thought that they portrayed it really effectively yeah, I originally I originally gave it a five, but I was like, mm-hmm. maybe that's too low. It seems like every time we actually have like discussions, I was like, mm, maybe I should give the skulls like a little higher. But no, I'm, I'm going to stick with five because they the one thing that is keeping me at the score and not raising it is the trope of the blind ambition, which I know is the point of the movie, but it's also like, come on, guys, like... <laughs> Not every, we don't have to make an, a movie about actors being like this all the time. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm going to keep totally. it at five. Um, I'm going to go six because I think the contrast of how like subdued she is in real life 
versus like those fits she has was very effective to set up the character early on, even though it kind of mm-hmm. drops off. That was the interesting part. That was like a very interesting part of the movie for me until like everything kind of turned over to like what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, what I'm going to use, I'm going to go with that. Pew. All right, Jamie, what is your scares? Not, not really scary. Like a, like uh like a two maybe yeah like there's not really maybe the scariest is just like how the shift to like the gruesome and like body horror shows up um and like the murders um but like there is tension that's there so like you know something is gonna happen it's like it's not completely like oh my god i wasn't expecting that like you can kind of feel that it's building up to something so um mm. so yeah i would give it a 2 <laughs> i gave it a 7 Ooh. Um, but i think it was just for the gore aspect mm. of it I, and this in whatever t- in the time that we're watching this this was the m- most gore that we have seen mm-hmm. so i think that's probably why my score is so high cuz i was like ooh blood yes yay <laughs> killing spree seven (laughs) i am gonna go with a uh four because i I, again that wasn't too scary for me but i i i do not like when people pull fingernails out and like little things like that so that's what bumped Mm -hmm. it up for me that that one piece um there shakes uh are you gonna be able to shake this movie is it like a one and done situation what are your thoughts i would give it a three i think the thing that stays with me most is like the transformation stuff um and like just the gruesome the gruesome nature of it but it's not like it's not so much that i'm like thinking about it that long i think like you know in the moment you're like this is gross. Go away. Um, but then, you know, maybe 24 hours after that, I'm like, I've moved on with my life. Yeah. I'm going to give it a six because the sound of her pulling her hair out was just kind of like way too much (laughs) for me. Mm. I don't think I'll be able to shake that off. And also just the whole theme (laughs) of like, I know that there are actors and actresses who are that insecure and that vulnerable that will like do stuff to their own detriment. And this was just kind of like a reminder because I know that there are some people who would like without blinking an eye do anything to get a part. And it's like really sad and disturbing, but it, this movie is definitely a reminder that there are people who have that much of an insecurity to just kind of like say yes to anything just to say they have something. Um, I'm going to give it a five for shakes. You very rarely see kind of like a horror movie about this kind of stuff, like auditioning and and things like that. Like I thought that that'll definitely stick with me. Um, But what's really going to stick with me uh, from this one is a lot of that bar body horror stuff. Um, And just like the unexpected turn that this took. Um, I think a lot of that will definitely stick with me for sure. Cool. And then suggestions. What, what suggestions do you all have after watching this treat? (laughs) I guess I have a couple. Um, I think in terms of like the ambition and like creepy, creepy twist, um, probably black swan, which like feels, I don't know, like maybe too, uh, too much on the nose, but I don't know. I think that's a, that's a good one in terms of like the, 
the Satan-y stuff, or maybe, I don't know, there's something about the vibe of, of, um, the actress with the Satan-y stuff that makes, that reminds me of the film, um, like the house of the devil, um, which like is totally unrelated and it's about like a girl who takes a babysitting job, but it has that like, you know, eighties satanic panic kind of vibe. Um, Satanic panic. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like what, what's like coming up for me. So those are my, those are my wrecks. Uh, just because you said Black Swan, that reminded me of another movie, Jamie, uh, The mm. Perfection that's on Netflix. It's, um, about ambition and they're both musicians. So they're both, oh, um, with Allison, um, yes, from Get Out, Allison mm-hmm. Williams mm-hmm. and Logan Browning, who's the star of Dear White People, the, not the movie, the Oh sequel. yes, the show. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to another one of Justin Simeon's, uh, movies that is more on the campier side but it's one of those like what will you do to get ahead and it's called bad hair it just came out last year and it's very campy you really should only be there for like the soundtrack and the special guest appearances because like Usher makes a, a special guest appearance like Kelly Rowland. yeah like Kelly Rowland makes a guest appearance like so basically the movie is pretty insane and it's really awful, but you should still watch it just for, just for the cameos. <laughs> it's a good okay. one. So I'm going to, for my suggestion, I'm going to go with, I'm sticking with the body horror stuff and I'm going to go with <laughs> weirdly one of my favorites, uh, Tusk. If you've ever, yeah, I mean, it is nothing like this movie at all. Maybe some ambition because he's like hosting a podcast type thing and he wants to like get this story or whatnot. But like, nice. regardless, um, I think that's what it is. I don't, I don't even remember at this point. Um, but regardless, lots of body horror in that. Um, I happen to really enjoy it. It's a lot more kitschy than this one is. I think this one's trying to take it seriously, whereas that one does not. So it's actually not. I, I think Jamie's right. Black Swan is probably one of the closest to this, um, but I'm going to go with Tusk. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to watch it. I feel like I've heard about yeah. that movie, but I just never had the opportunity to watch it, but I will definitely check it out. I saw it in a movie theater, just me and my friend. We had missed our flight to New Orleans and uh, we went to the closest movie theater, like buy some time before our next flight was to like actually make it. And we were the only people in there. We watched, we were the only people in there watching Tusk and like, it was wild. <laughs> Love that. Obsessed with that. Uh, well, I think that's it. That's all we have on Starry Eyes. Uh, but if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Talk Horror Pod on Instagram and Twitter please give us any suggestions of movies that you want us to talk about and we'll bring it up. Uh, Brian, anywhere else they can listen to us? Yeah. Find us on things like Spotify and Apple podcasts. You can rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Um, Five starry eyes. (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, you know, we are a new podcast. Um, uh, the more you can rate and review us, the better to get, you know, the word out there. We really appreciate it. If you're enjoying it, if you're not enjoying it, uh, stop listening and don't rate and review us. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, this was talking horror with Jamie and Nikisha, and we're signing off. We are the men in black. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye.